Hello, and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. In the controlled ambience of the arena, Millwall and Stoke engage in a meticulously orchestrated encounter that adhere to the party's principles of uniformity and submission. The match, a manifestation of the party's dominion over narratives, transpired with calculated precision, leaving no room for spontaneous exuberance or deviation from the prescribed script. The solitary goal materialises as if a programmed outcome, a calculated reminder of the party's omnipotence, subtly manipulating the masses. The spectators, proles, absorbed by the spectacle, with a rehearsed enthusiasm, their emotions channeled according to the party's design. The oppressive fog of conformity hung over the field, each pass and tackle a testament to the party's relentless grip on reality. The very fabric of the game seemed woven with the threads of Big Brother's control, relegating any semblance of unpredictability to the shadows. As the final whistle echoed through the compliant air, the illusion of choice dissolved, leaving behind a stark portrait of orchestrated subservience. Millwall's slim victory remained an artifact of the party's meticulous choreography, a reminder that even the realm of sport could not escape the suffocating embrace of the dystopian regime that dictated every facet of existence. Wise words there from George Orwell upon viewing Stoke's 1-0 defeat away at Millwall uh, yesterday uh, afternoon. And joining me is another George uh, to talk this over and more. Uh, how are you, George? I am well, as is decreed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm good, but the football was, you know. Yes, it was It was very sad, wasn't it? Um, it by was, all, by it? all accounts. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, there, I do think that is a very appropriate introduction, actually, being as though like a 1-0 defeat away at Millwall to a set piece does just seem very scripted. So I think it's I think it's a pretty accurate representation of of what's going on. Now we have a couple of uh well fan reactions to the loss, which I'm going to play right now. And then you'll listen to me and George reacting to them in, in turn. Okay. There's a lot of them, isn't there? <laughs> Do you know what, guys? I'm pretty okay with that because, right, hear me out. Um, we won against Watford and bar one injury, where he needed to make a change, he's more or less kept the same team. So, you know, that's basic interest. If your team's won, you're going to keep the same team. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm okay with it. Then that sort of that second half, you know, he's made the changes and we played a lot better. So, all in all, very happy. Um, well, not very happy, just um, just okay, just slightly happy. Um, but to be honest, quite refreshing, isn't it, for a manager um, to make early substitutions. So obviously that happened in the week where he took bloody Chiquinho off and made it, was it four substitutions at half-time yesterday? It's just refreshing, isn't it? Because under bloody Rowett, he wouldn't make a change, would he? We'd be losing at home and he'd just keep the bloody same team. So, yeah, that's the positive. That's the positive right there. Okay. Um, I don't know where the other five years of that fan's life went and the other managers, but, you know, I, I, I like to get mad at Gary Rowett till this day still, so I understand it, I'll allow it. Um, so, yeah, George, what, what, do we, what do we think about that? Is that a fair assessment of yesterday's game? I, I think so. I think it's upsetting that we lost, but I would say that's the best we've played at Millwall for a long time, particularly the second half. But I also 
if I'm entirely honest, can't remember any of the times we've played at Millwall because <laughs> it's exactly like the first half was yesterday. Um, yeah, I think the first half was pretty shocking. It was clear that the system he was trying to use of kind of making sure the three centre-backs can defend the box and getting Wesley and Vidigal to kind of push almost on the break and sort of hold it up, it just wasn't working at all. The midfield was getting completely overrun. Um, which is not a good thing against Millwall. And we were being out fought, which was a bit depressing. But either way, half-time, the four changes made a massive difference, as said just then. Um, I thought we were miles better and very much deserved to win the game, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a picture going around on Twitter of, I'm not calling it X, of Twitter of um, <laughs> the, the ball sort of hanging by a thread uh, on the, the goal line, on yeah, the post. yeah, the let the make the let Laris, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah on the goal line. I think line. it's when yes. Campbell sort of flicked on a header onto the post and was really unlucky, and obviously it bounced the only way possible off the post for Laris to not get a a touch onto it. So, you know, it was just that kind of day. We missed a one on one with Vidigal that was fairly heftily ballooned over the bar, mm. and then. There was a couple of chances earlier on as well. I think the the big one was couldn't tell if it was properly an open net, and I haven't watched it back yet. But first half, Vinegal and Laurent possibly could have scored as well. So it, it was a strange one. It just seemed like I think Alex Neal said it actually. There was a moment where Hoover played the ball back, sort of across the defence, and got caught out, similar to kind of Saka over the weekend for Arsenal. If mm-hmm. anyone's seen that. Mm-hmm. And actually a bit similar to Trent today. Yeah. Um, got caught out. And then from that point on, we were all a bit like, oh, shit, I don't want to pass the ball nicely. And it just turned into fight ball. And it was one, very not watchable. And two, very much not what you want to do against Millwall. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very I, I... much 50-50. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on board with all that. I think I think the the best thing you can say about Andre Vidigal's miss is that the, it's the first time he's looked like a guy who we signed for 500k from like Maritomo. I think up to this point you think, oh, you know, he's a real quality, and he still is quality. You know, he, he had bail accounts. He was okay yesterday, but yeah, it was just that sort of lack of composure with a, a big centre back coming like coming towards you, and then the goalkeeper charging you down. He just didn't have the composure yeah. to sort of roll it in. Which was a shame. Um, and then, yeah, the miss at the end just had to happen, didn't it, really? And and Sarkic obviously making some really, really, really oh, quali- yeah, quality quality saves, which we all which we all knew was going to happen anyway. Um, but I guess I guess a good place to start is so obviously we we started in the same sort of shape and system as we did for the Watford game. Um, before the Watford game, there was definitely some uh, murmurs, certainly around me anyway, of sort of disapproval about the fact that you know we've gone to a sort of a, a three at the back with a with a wing back system which obviously we've seen a lot of over the past few years with varying success but I think most people sort of attribute it to the sort of negative football we had under Neil last season and then uh, oh it's uh, everything uh, wrong with the club man. yeah because <laughs> it's say, impossible against... to win with a three five two Everyone against, knows that. Against Watford, I'll admit I was a bit skeptical, but it did it did yeah. turn into the right system for that game. And I, I guess the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is the fact that we've now run into two away games with clearly the wrong system for the game. And we've ended yeah. up 
chopping and changing like well before half time at Ipswich and then at half time at Millwall. And it it just sort of leads me to the question is like I I don't think we know our ideal starting eleven or how best to play them yet, which when you signed fifty-five players probably makes sense. <laughs> But yeah, do you do you see him chopping and changing it next week for Preston? Because obviously Preston come really riding on the crest of a wave. They're playing really, really well, and then it doesn't get any easier after that. Um, I think we've got we've got Hull yeah. or or something. Not, I can't remember who we've got. I don't know fixtures anymore. Um, but anyway, it's a tough tough game next week. So do you see him chopping and changing further, or do you think he'll stick with it? Are we at home next week? We are at home next week. Yes. Okay. No one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I would be surprised if we don't see the 4-3-3 again next week. I think the Watford one very specifically, to me, and I don't have any insider knowledge or anything, but to me it seems very much like he saw Plymouth keep them out of the box very, very well and decided that the best way to do that is to have three centre-halves in there. Um, and it worked perfectly. And Wesley and Vidigal played on the break really nicely. Um, I thought Thompson and Laurent off the ball, even if Laurent's been a bit strange on the ball. Yeah, this season it's been, so far. been a bit disappointing. That um, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that a bit they later. They were pretty good yeah. in that game. I, I I get it against Millwall as well because you still want to defend your box. They're not, you know, they're not going to come at you driving from deep and kind of try and dribble through you or pass through you in the edge of the box. So I get that. Um, but I just think it's a different type of game. I don't think Watford were anywhere near as strong kind of in their duels as as Millwall were and it can get really scrappy in that 3-5-2 especially with the midfield that we started with um, in that kind of game so I, it, in hindsight yes it was the wrong thing I don't, I'm hesitant to say it was immediately the wrong thing to do because I can see some of the ideas behind it um, but like you say I think I said it on Twitter, like we're 27 random players or however many we've got now, probably not that, um, against the teamiest team that has ever been a team in Millwall, um, who've never sold, bought or loaned out a player, to my knowledge, in the entire time they've existed. So, Or if they have, they've replaced them with the exact same player. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's very much a so team it, of, very much a team of Cooper times... 11, isn't it, Millwall? That's all, that's all I think yeah, of, just Cooper. Exactly. And Bradshaw, one, actually. One Wallace somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, so I, that was part of it for me. I think the Ipswich game was also showing that where every time someone got the ball, they were looking for where they could pass it rather than having an idea in their head immediately. And I think as soon as you do that against Millwall, they just, they just beat you up. Um, but then second half... They dropped off a bit in the four three three. I did think that helped actually as well, but I yeah I think there was there were problems there. But I, I hesitate to be too angry at Neil for not having the immediate knowledge that that would happen. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree, I agree. I, I I think my my only issue with this this sort of um, narrative it's not it's not really a narrative. It's a it's a it's a fact that we've signed a load of you know players from literally all over the world for once, not just. Mm-hmm over the Irish Sea and um, you know we've signed all these players I, I think the thing that sort of makes me a bit hesitant about that is that um, when when do we stop saying that <laughs> when, when do when do we get to the point where we think right this yeah. this team we've signed all these players we need to actually know our first team now because 
obviously, I, you know, the board's big picture is that it's going to take several windows to get to get us over the line as to where we want to be. And I think over the two defeats we've had, I think I think fans have been relatively patient. To be honest, I think I think people have acknowledged yeah. that we've had a bad. 90 minutes across Ipswich and Millwall in the first half of games. Yeah. And I think Ipswich, we didn't really, even other than the 20-minute period in which we, we switched it up, we didn't really get back into the game from there really too much in terms of threatening. But I, yeah, so I guess like when when do you think it would be acceptable? Well, not acceptable. When do you think we should have that team nailed down by? I mean, I, I'm certainly of the opinion that sort of at least December-wise, we should be rolling on all you know all cylinders he should absolutely absolutely yeah. you know i think if we are you know in a similar position to where we've been in in previous decembers even though it's taken all this time to gel i do think it will be a bit disappointing if we are there again but yeah just like yeah your take on that please yeah i think i think he's finding out what is good for what kind of situation um i think you've seen some of the stuff that you genuinely can't account for like Vidigal coming in and immediately being fine with the league. Touch wood. He seems to be like that. Um, I would still like to kind of calm people down a bit about him because, yes, he's been very good, but it's very likely this is a bit of a problem. Yeah, I I remember Sammy Bangora um, and <laughs> and him scoring like eight nine goals in eight games or whatever it was, and yeah, and then just you know forgetting to come back from international duty that time. So and I don't think I don't well I don't think Vidigal's going to get called up for Portugal. Well, who knows? Actually, you never know. The sky's sky's the limit. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I get what you're saying because you don't want to you don't want to think that's a banker and then all of a sudden yeah. he's not doing anything week in week out, which I don't think will happen. But you never know. No, I I, I don't think he's going to completely die off. I think he looks like a really quality player and he looks like a big moments player, which is quite a rare thing. But he is going to cool down at some point. Um, but then you also you, you kind of can't you can't judge for a player doing what Vidigal's doing compared to what say someone like Ryan Mai has been doing and I think he's I mean I say I think he's been getting harsh stick and I don't think any of it's particularly fair um, I think this kind of striker he is takes more time to get yeah. into games and to get used to the people around him he's a link up player he's a a one touch yeah. kind of lay things off player and he'll think, get there but you can't you know there's no logical reason why he hasn't scored four in four and Vidigal has yeah especially in terms of a sign in point of view especially when one of Vidigal's goals actually came off a bit of brilliance from Ryan May against uh, against Rotherham slipping inside that center yeah. back and having that shot i think i think my my um concern with May is that he looks like a player who is used to the intensity of like you know the Cypriot league or the Hungarian yeah. league and and he's not really used to you know Tommy McChampionship pressing him you know 30 yards out from gold and 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 nicking the ball off him certainly that 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 sort of shone through against um against Ipswich he just didn't yeah look like he was used to the pace of the play at all but like you say i think that i think that comes with time and Definitely. i think um, and i think he's still relatively young isn't he he's yeah still, it's good. Uh, yeah and i think 24 i think um, whatever it is and I think you know when you when you've got players in there who are a bit more you know a bit more of a sledgehammer like like Wesley who you can just sort of throw in and they'll do a job, you know I I I, I have to say I do quite like Wesley already. There's just this sort of effect he has on games where he just sort of slows everything down and you know just holds yeah. the ball up in seemingly impossible places. I'm not entirely sure he's a 
goal scorer really at all, no. but um, or will be a goal scorer. But sometimes, well, you know, we famously got promoted with a with a striker who didn't score. So um, I don't necessarily think that's a that's a huge issue. But I guess I guess it brings us on to the question of obviously we are less than a week out now from the transfer window closing. And before I talk about our very, very exciting signings in the past in the past few weeks, we hear the rumors a lot now about uh, Josh Tymon and his mm-hmm. his sort of um running out of road at Stoke. Uh which I think if we were to sell him now would leave us quite short in in that department. And yeah, I understand and I appreciate, I'm sorry, Tony, but I understand and I appreciate that he's not necessarily been particularly in form for the past eight months or so of, of play. You know, he sort of, he had a very good um 21-22 season um, and then you know last season sort of found himself in and out of the team and you know pretty much out of Neil's plans by the time the, the season ended um, but do you think it's something if he isn't part of the plans long term do you think it's a, a, an easy cash in before the before the deadline or if he isn't part of the plans long term then Stoke have got to do what they've got to do I would be Worried and disappointed if at this point in the window we sign another or we sell another kind of key asset and particularly in left back, considering how difficult it's been to get a right back in. Um, I don't see how Josh Tymon can't help us in, in this season. Um, you've got rid of Jacob Brown already, who is kind of one of the remaining kind of band of core players and I think it would be a bit silly and probably a bit naive in my opinion to get rid of more of those unless it's a ridiculous offer you know I I think we've already lost so much of the squad and so much of the squad is already kind of periphery players who've just come in who need to learn the language, learn the culture, learn the club even if they're from England (laughs) Um, so getting rid of another one of the players who is already quite sort of adapted to the club and already, you know, is a key part of that dressing room, I think would be a bit silly for me anyway. Yeah. Um, I also think, I know Stevens has played quite well, generally. I still think Tymon will be a very good left back for us this season. Yeah, I, I'd I'd like that to happen. I think I think he, he's a player that yeah, unless the offer unless like Leeds come in with you know a very silly amount of money which he, he mm-hmm. can't turn down. Um, I would like to see him because I, I do think at his best he offers more than Stevens does at his best. I guess it Absolutely. is a question of it's a question of you know what can he how often can he reach his best? I think what we've seen with Stevens so far is that he he's very he's a is a very good operator, but. I think age is somewhat catching up with him, and that's particularly against Ipswich, he was isolated on several occasions yeah. as as a weak link down that side. And I think I don't think many people would have expected when he signed for him to be necessarily the starting no. left sided defensive player. Um, I think he's a good player to have. He's got great experience of you know playing in in, in good teams and in the, you know these kinds of systems. But yeah, I agree. I think I think it would be a shame to to sell time and. Um, and uh, just before we move on again to our exciting signings, uh, we mentioned uh, Josh Lawrence struggling for 
some consistency. I mean, against Ipswich, he he genuinely did have the worst game I've I've seen him yeah. have for us. And he, I, I think against Watford and, and against Millwall, he was he's almost trying a bit too hard to try and get into a game rather than just sort of you know yeah. relaxing and and kind of doing his job. Um, I, I I have no worries particularly about Laurent though. I think he'll I think he'll come good. I think he's been a good player at this level for you know several years, right? I don't think we have much to worry about yeah. there, do we? No, no, I don't think so. I think like you say, you've got a brand new midfield learning each other. You've got a brand new defense and a brand new forward line. Um, he's just been made captain as well, so he's got kind of extra responsibilities on pitch. I, to me, it's just a case of he's having a bad few games. Yeah. I think. I mean, I mean, if to he's be still fair, playing like this in October, then there's yeah, a conversation. To be fair, as as we all know, being made captain is a guarantee of your place in the starting eleven, as as Lewis Baker <laughs> can can attest to. So yeah, we definitely have nothing to be concerned about. Um, it's a curse, isn't it? Yeah. As soon as you're made captain. Yeah. When did Joe Allen become captain? Ah. Uh... I actually, I, I can't, I don't know. I, I don't want to think, I don't want to talk about Joe anymore. We, we... If that was after the purple patch, then we've got some thinking to do. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this is always the, is he, is he playing for Swansea just out of interest? Cause I'm a hundred percent not rattled by him, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not owned. I'm, I'm not owned. Yeah. Game. I'm not, I've not seen his name at all this season. So I can only assume that he's not playing that much. Um Yes. Anyway, away from Joe Allen and on to more exciting matters. This week, we have signed potentially the best player in the world in uh, Wouter Berger Duck, who who really comes through with like some amazing pedigree and credentials. Like when you look at them on paper, I mean, he was playing in the Conference League last year for for Basel. Yep. Um, a Dutch uh, under twenty one international and really highly rated. I mean, some Twitter scouts saying that you know they were expecting a Europa League, Champions League club to come in for him really before a, you know a second tier club who's not finishing the top half for eight years or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but that's 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 an exciting signing, isn't it? That's that's up there yeah. among all the signings we made as probably the most exciting. I'd say right. Absolutely. And it shows the power and the reach that the Food Hub 20% off offer has <laughs> across Europe. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think that's that to me is the sign of that. It kind of for all the other players that we've signed that have been from other leagues where you say, okay, that's a really good pickup. That the fact that we've managed to convince Berger to come over is quite a big, quite a big coup, I would say. Um, and a sign that we're shopping in lots of different pools rather than just looking at, you know, you, you would have imagined maybe earlier on in the window, we're looking at players who have played with or know Alex Neal and cheap players from undervalued foreign leagues. But Berger kind of reaches that. I mean, it's almost a rock the city signing, really. Yeah, no, I absolutely it's agree a, with that. Five million pounds for us is is that level of four million, whatever it was. Sorry, undisclosed, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, you know, that is that kind of level. And I, again, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him straight away. But that's probably the pedigree of player that can handle that pressure, I would say. I feel I feel as well, I guess, uh, this is just sort of maybe my own biases, but I guess signing a midfielder, you get you do get the chance to sort of bed in more because you sort of do 
less obvious stuff on the football pitch without going into the whole, you do stuff you can't see, without going into all that, which is, you know, that players do do that. But it's not like, for example, oh, Ruta Berger's not scored in 25 games. No one's going to say that about him because he's a, yeah. he's a midfielder, right? That's not necessarily his job. Whereas if you are a striker, if you haven't yeah. scored in 25 games, people will mention that, even though, for example, if you, you're in that Wesley mold, that you might actually be a, a spectacularly, you know, gifted forward who's just playing on a terrible team. Not that I'm saying that Dwight Gale fits that bracket at all uh, last season, because I, I don't believe that. But, um, you know, and, and speaking yeah. of speaking of um, untapped foreign markets, we've also signed a player from Serbia in Nikola Jovic, and he was christened with a 10-1 defeat to Manchester United under-21s this weekend. Good luck. Things can only get better. But we're also looking excitingly, at least in my opinion, at a player from Korea in uh, Junho Bay, I think is how you pronounce yep. it. And we get the impression that he's left his club, right? They gave him a nice send-off, similar to the one that we gave Sam Klukas. You know, we were giving him the bumps on the pitch and, you know, giving him a train ticket and telling him to fuck off. Um, you know, similar in that vein. But, I mean, that's... I mean, he could be awful. <laughs> but, I mean, if he signs and shows, I don't know, even half of the potential that his, you know, obligatory YouTube compilation suggests... That's very exciting, right? That's yeah. like up there. I would say both Yoich and Bay, or is it Junho? I think Bay's this. I think I think we'll just I'm call him sure Bay. I think Bay is just yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think both of those will be primarily under twenty-one players. Um, but the excitement is there that our under twenty-ones aren't just local academy prospects, and that. In fairness, they never have been just local academy prospects, but you get those big, exciting people coming in, like Tyrese Campbell when he came, like Harry Souter when he came. And for us to be able to, you know, home office be thanked for the first time ever, <laughs> sign people from sort of those untapped markets, like you say, I think that gives us a really good chance of getting some very high-quality youngsters coming in. And He'll get cup games. He'll get appearances off the bench. You know, I, I think all that kind of thing is very exciting. Jojic looks very raw. I will yeah, say, um, yeah. The bits I've watched of him, which is not much, and I don't have a, not, a lot of knowledge at all. He loves just standing up, charging straight at someone, and running through. Them, oh, which is brilliant! The, a Serbian Lee Catamol kind of archetype. Um, <laughs> If you had Lee Catamore, but on the wing, okay. if that makes sense, right, more, I, I, more kind of okay. I'll be honest, I didn't even know he's a winger. Outovich right, okay, okay, in that sense, that he he just charges straight. He's very direct, very kind of aggressive in how he attacks people. So it, okay, that's really exciting. But okay. very See, I, raw. I have not been paying attention, and I, in my head, he was just like a combative central defensive mid. I actually didn't know he was a winger, so that's very interesting and news to me. So that's well, if he is a combative central defensive mid, then I'm going to look like an absolute. <laughs> peanut, <laughs> but um, isn't this but great? I'm being able sure to he's a <laughs> being able to sign players who you just genuinely have no idea about, and yeah. then you you look at them online, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it seems he seems great. My it's only... great because you can't be depressed about them because yeah. if you look them yeah. up online. They always have a good compilation because yes. no one's going to compile their bad stuff. Yeah. My only sort of salient observation about 
Jovic was that he looks like Pip from Game of Thrones, and we all know how good he was at the uh, you know at the Battle of the Wall. So if he can show that sort of you know fortitude moving forward, I'm I'm sure he's set to have a, a good career uh, at the Potters. Um, we have pretty much come to the end of part one here, so we will uh, be back with uh, after a little jingle. Okay, goodbye. Woo-hoo. Hello, welcome back to the Wizard Dribble podcast. Uh, so we've just got a couple more uh, items on our non-Joe Allen related agenda. Uh, and that's starting off with just a couple of previews. So this week we have two fixtures before we run into an international break. Um, the first one of the year. We have got to uh, batter Rotherham again at home, this time in the, in the Carabao. And then, as discussed previously, we've got Preston which is increasingly looking like a challenging fixture. So I guess the question is, do you think he rests players for Rotherham, given that we know we can pretty comfortably, well, we have comfortably dispatched them so far this season at least once? Do you think there's any need to really press on with keeping, you know, is that is that worry about the systems and formations going to feed into the cup, meaning that he'll want more familiarity? Or do you think he'll chop and change the uh, the personnel a bit? I think at this point, I mean, I, he, he could do either. My instinct would be at this point to kind of try and keep things as consistent as possible. So I think if he changes for the cup, which I'd, I would still expect him to go back to a four against Rotherham, um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't keep a similar team for Saturday. Unless, you know, we, we spend another 45 minutes throwing it towards our own net. <laughs> um, which is entirely possible, but yeah, I I think when you're breeding, it, it's such a hard balance to tread because you need to breed familiarity, but you also need to give players minutes in a league that they're new to. So it'd be surprising either way. I think. Yeah, um, I think I think um, what we learned about Rotherham when they came on the first day of the season is that not they're not really you know well neither were Millwall, but they're especially away from home. They're not really gonna press you or do anything to really make you that concerned, at least defensively. No. So so you should be able to build up, you know, your phases, you know, from deep without without much concern really. Um and I think I think as we've discussed, if we have got those players who are a bit, you know, a bit rusty and a bit needy game time, this is probably a good fixture to to bed those guys in with with little to no stakes. But I I also I guess with an international break coming up, like you say, there's no there's no real need to just, you know, play all the reserves given that you know, there's yeah. still several days between that and the Preston game. Now, that Preston game looks increasingly difficult, uh, not only because our record against Preston is abysmal, um, <laughs> but um, but also because they are doing really well, if I recall. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where they are on the table. Let me just uh, have a look. They're fifth with 10 points from four games. And yeah. that's, that's pretty good. And yeah... They have played Sheffield Wednesday, but they've beaten Sunderland and they've beaten Swansea and they drew with Bristol City. So they've got, you know, they've got off to a good start. And 
I guess I guess what I don't want is I don't want to be going into an international break on the back of a home defeat where yeah. the mood especially which has been so so positive to start the season definitely the most positive since the relegation uh, the first season down um which yeah, was absolutely. probably which is probably more from overconfidence than anything else amongst you know all of us sadly looking back but it would be such a shame to go into that first international break I think on the back of a home defeat and then it's three defeats out of five and it would be way too early for question marks, but there would still be question marks from from some 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 areas, and I think that would be very a very disheartening way to go in after such a positive start at home. But hopefully, not yeah. The case. No, I th- I think so, and I think this is the kind of game where you know, for example, we had we had Larice come on at right back in the second half of the Millwall game. I'm not sure I see him as a right back um, as well as he did when he came on, and he was really good. But I think this is possibly a game where you can have him instead of Hoover. Um, I still think Hoover is our first choice. I think Larice is more of a, you know, an option in there because Hoover was playing poorly. Um, but this is the kind of game where, like you say, they're going to sit off. They're not going to be as aggressive as we they might have been in previous years. So someone like Larice can sit in there. It's a nice way for, you know, Laurent to try to play himself back in a little bit. It's probably a nice game for Ryan Mai to start as well. So I think there will be changes, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, wholesale. Well, yeah. partly because it's impossible to be wholesale given our <laughs> club. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to think you, you, you start, you'll start to have like Burgo moving towards a start by, by that game. And, you know, I, I do think he, yeah, he is a player you do want to get. I, I can't see people like, well, Wilmot will start, I would imagine. I think McNally will probably start. Um, it might be a chance for timing. It's just, it's a very strange game because we're never going to not want to win the cup games. Um, the more cup games we have, the more chance we've got of getting our squad a bit more together. But also in the same instance, they are a bit annoying. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think the the trouble is as well. I think when we have actually done well in the cup, we had it was in the COVID seasons where no one can go. So I think people have sort of yeah. forgotten that, especially under O'Neill, we actually got quite far in this competition. I think we got to the, the, the quarter quarterfinal. Yeah, the quarterfinals yeah. against Tottenham. It was a very and we were in the game fifty five minutes into the yeah. game. I think or an hour into the game. Um, was so it? We, I think Thompson equalised. Tom, yeah, Tom, point, Thompson, Thompson yeah. scored. Yeah, Thompson scored. Um, I think that's. And he scored twice for us, and I think the other one was that corner that went straight in against Forest. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, also yeah. during the COVID COVID years, but yeah, I think people do kind of forget that we actually have gone pretty far in this competition previously. We just yeah, and I think we've been we've been finding it before that as well, haven't we? Because did did we do all right last season or the season before? Not last season. I think we ran into did we run into Brentford last season? I I can't remember. I, I remember yes, yeah, we yeah yeah we ran yeah and yeah. Brentford. Brentford's like the horrible tie because you know they're going to beat you, but it's not like Man United or Man City at home. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just. But like last season, we had Brighton, didn't we? In yes, the fourth round. Yes, I and think did so. Yeah, really, really well in yeah. that game, and you know, didn't deserve yeah. to win, but no, could have nicked no. to win. So yeah, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, if you were to ask me, you know, what would I take the win? In, in which of the fixtures would I want the win? And next week, it would always be the. The league fixture, but I mean, ideally, ideally both, um, but not always yeah, the case. And I, 
you would you would hope now that I think the profile of the squad is different in that, or at least by the end of the window, hopefully, but also kind of almost now we have two players in each position, apart from maybe right back and centre back, that are good enough to start in that position. Yeah, um, it would make. I don't know th- what's happening with if Chiquinho is gonna. Yeah, that's a that's a weird situation. Fly back to Wolves, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, but it, other than that, yeah, I mean, just just on that, uh, I did see something that Neil basically said he just wasn't in the squad today. Um, I don't, oh, okay. I, I, I don't know what. But I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that Alex Neil was lying. He does have a sort of <laughs> history of not necessarily telling the truth in these things. But um, that's you know that's football managers, um, and I, I guess as yeah. well, um, uh, you know. Yeah, you just gotta. You just it, it's an excuse to build up momentum, isn't it? So you just you just gotta you just gotta exactly take it and and and, and, run and with I think it. particularly at home where we've been so 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 bad for so long, any home win is good for the fans. And you know you can forgive Millwall away because fourteen hundred yeah. two thousand people went. The vast majority of people only see you at home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think difference. I think in terms of lifting the mood, I do think I, I do think if the two wins had been switched round and we'd be, we know we'd won the two away games, I do think there would that there wouldn't necessarily be oh, as yeah. forgiving uh, uh, yeah. a, a, an aura in the air kind of thing, just because yeah we have been so bad at home for for so long. But I, w- I will say, just on that point, I think the fans at home have been much better. Uh, so far this season I think yeah, the, yeah. the Watford game I mean the Rotherham game was a bit easy you go one up in like five minutes everyone's going to be happy but the Watford game it was definitely more attritional but there was no real sense of that oh here we go kind of thing it was you know we we were in the game all the way through and that I think that's been positive and that's kind of reflective and, and brings us quite nicely to the to sort of the final main point which is so far this season I I think at least personally we have seen so much better um, quality in terms of presentation on match day, social media in particular. The the burger signing announcement was was spectacularly good. Um, it's just been much higher quality. And and to that end, the uh, the club sent an email to all supporters a few weeks ago and on Twitter this week uh, announcing that the fans council uh, was to be dissolved and an alternative form of fan engagement as to yet be announced would be would be coming into effect. Now, the question that we all want to know is, did the Wizards of Drivel kill <laughs> the fans council on our podcast uh, a month ago when we suggested that it wasn't necessarily doing its job properly? And that was not reflective of anyone on the council at all. Yeah. It was more reflective of the fact that the, the council... Itself. Exactly, that the council was something that was very sort of pre-social media you know, or you know, everyone having access to football clubs via social media, and it just sort of limited its ability to deal with with issues on the on the wider fan base. And and the club have announced that they're going to replace this with a more thorough and in depth fan consultation. And I, <laughs> on Twitter and on this podcast, I have a reputation for being somewhat critical of the club's hierarchy. As I think this podcast has in general, to be fair, and many mm. people who who are on it, um, but I I will say that I I think Simon King has been a very very positive addition to the higher echelons of the club. 
And I think it is very refreshing, not only to see, albeit I would prefer if Mar- a Martin figure had hired, an, had hired an Alex Neal figure and not the other way around, uh, but I, I think it is refreshing now to see the areas of the club clearly delineated amongst the amongst the the executives, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it seems from the outside like there's been a realization of sorts that okay, we can't keep doing this. There's kind of finally been that sort of I don't know. I I, I guess the sacking of O'Neill, and I get the feeling that Neil has been very very much pushing for a lot of this stuff actually i i could very much see him have come in last year and sort of said where the fuck is x where is y where is z upper management middle management kind of thing um and i think there's been a realization that we genuinely can't keep being like we were before with its time time play so <laughs> I think everyone who's come in has come in with a you know that none of them seem to have been resting on any laurels or it's not to say people before were I know people mm. who have worked and all mm. this sort of thing but there's been a huge push that okay no we are going to do this now it kind of it needs to be done yeah properly by hook or by crook yeah definitely um, definitely um and like just for people wondering that the time time play is still up uh, as, a, as a tweet. Uh, I do recommend people people search for it. It's very entertaining. Um, I think we can we could retweet that. After yeah, this, yeah, we'll, we can re- we'll retweet that. It's it's worth a good five uh, minutes of hype music. Yeah, oh, it's it's horrible. And then in big it's, letters. It's, it's glorious. So, it's so horrible. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is it is good to see. Like I I have you know just referring back to the home games repeatedly asked now for the club to post the, the pre-match hype video to to the YouTube channel because it is genuinely that good. It's it's a very good yeah. it's a very good video. And it, it it sounds it's the sort of stuff that when you look at it in isolation, people I think people go, well what what the hell does that matter? That's not going to do anything. But it it, yeah. it all when you add it together it as it constitutively comes as a package. And I think yeah. that's something that we've been much better at this this year. And I think that's yeah. that's that's and very just- good. Stupid videos of old goals are like you get into the ground and you kind of get reminded why you come to the ground yeah, by watching that, the things that absolutely. you enjoy when you're at the ground, kind of thing. Yeah. The the bloke, just... the bloke in front of me uh celebrates at the gene off uh, green off volley. Like every that <laughs> boat, every time it's happened, he's literally celebrated like it happened again. And it is someone it's needs good. to collect their dad. Yeah, someone does need to collect their dad. Um it's yeah, but I mean it's <laughs> it's just lovely. it's just nice stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, and I think to I think it's Will something who's come in as videographer this year and done quite a lot of that stuff. So if your name is Will, <laughs> good thumbs up to you. Thumbs up sir. To well done. Um if your name is not Will, also still thumbs up to you, whatever your name is. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay. I think that we are on to the uh, most important part of the pod, which is that we have killed the fan council and I'm certain that the hippo tank is being installed under the scoreboard now because clearly they listened only to our responses to the survey. So they went under the scoreboard. That's where they're going. Yeah. They're going to be. I was hoping for the Spurs retracting pitch. 
I, I think I think, tank, but... I think I think there's a number of options that you know that we can that, we, that the club's well, it's looking part at. Of the survey, if, isn't yeah, it, exactly, so. exactly. They've got to they've got to canvas all all the <laughs> options really. But on the, on that mark, I think there is a pretty clear candidate to to feed to the hippos editing in the in the bet three six five stadium for the first time, and yeah. that would be the president of the Spanish FA, um, yes. who has really managed to. I think it's a very special effort when your country wins something for the first time already in a, a sport which is struggling against a, a wave of negativity from a lot of people, unfortunately, mm-hmm. online. People being very desperate to tell you how much they don't like watching it, which is very normal behaviour. Um, but I think it's very special to take the shine off that so completely uh, so that a week later, no one's even talking about it, but instead they're yeah. talking about you. I just think it's an incredibly sad yeah. and bad situation, and I am just genuinely pretty staggered at the man. <laughs> yeah, and I think the statement that they put out showed that he wasn't there by accident. The statement that their FA put out basically saying, well, it's fine because she said it's okay. After she'd said it wasn't okay, yeah, it's and also with seemingly no knowledge of consent as a thing, um, that shows that he's not there by accident. That's yeah, incredibly pervasive, and they can all fuck off. I did, I, and also, also going into the tank is is the manager who <laughs> I do recommend watching this because he he the president says that he's not going to resign and the manager applauds. And then yesterday said that he has acted poorly. And it was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> the trouble is everyone's got you on camera, applaud, you know, applauding him not resigning, mate. So I don't know. It's a messy it's just, situation. It's, it's people who never thought it would ever come back to bite them and then they can yeah. do what they want. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you heard the things of like, you know, players had to keep the doors open and stuff at night. And it's just... Everyone associated with that on the side of the FA president and manager get in the tank. <laughs> Excellent. And is is there anyone else you want to throw in there? Just you know, they need to they need to gorge, but I can't I can't really think of anyone else. To be honest, no, with you. not specifically. Maybe that first half of football. Yeah. Oh, Gary Rowett. Gary Rowett, always. Yeah, or, or, but yeah, yeah. not even like because Stoke was shit, just because just it was absolutely unwatchable. It was awful. Yeah, yeah. So that first half as a concept. Yeah. I mean, those are two very different levels of things. <laughs> <laughs> a football match I slightly disliked and... Um. Yeah, the, the Spanish FA. The Spanish FA, yes. Yeah, well, but, that's that's enough for them to go, go. to go on. Okay, well, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much, George, uh, for joining me tonight. It's been it's been very good, very nice. I hope you've it had has. a good time. It's been lovely. I very much have, and it's cheered me up from that abysmal piece of football yesterday. Yes, yeah. So thank um, you very much. No problem. Uh, now, uh, we did have a reply on Twitter this week saying, why was there no pod uh, last week? And that was just because of a nature of, of circumstances. I can probably assure you that there will be no midweek pod <laughs> about, yeah. about the Rotherham game. Uh, there may, there may be, uh, well, there should be a pod next week, so we should be back to normal, normal servicing from yeah. next week, I would assume. But until then, I was going to uh, say to them, 
I was going to say to them, go and make your own pod, but I realised that <laughs> given the number of pods that are out, that they actually probably already have. Yeah. So. Well, they can go and listen to the YYY files, can't they? And, you know, all all that stuff, you know, and that guy. Oh, no, do actually. I think I'm still the last episode <laughs> on there. So, yeah, go and listen to that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, until then, just allow me to say, um, go Stoke and finish the month of well start the month of september well that's a strong ending isn't it that's good that's good enough come on stoke let's go